0: Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Sprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching,
1: because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio.
2: Since this is our kickoff, we thought it might be helpful to share with you why we've begun this new show. What made us want to start the show and to dedicate a full hour each week to marriages and families and more specifically to be able to encourage and equip and support marriages and families so guys i'm so glad that um, the three of us get to do this together and i'd love to hear your hearts as i know our listeners would about this new show
1: thanks for uh, bringing us together i know it's kind of a definitely an act of god putting us together through multiple people and um I don't know, you know, Mari, when we first had our conversation and what brought John and I together is is men is truthfully having a heart coming from men. What's going on in families is mm-hmm. we talked about too many of us are sitting in a burning house, enjoying our cold drink and enjoying our television and our houses are burning down around us. And what I mean by that is Satan's running wild. Yeah. I mean, let, let's just be honest. You know, the darkness is is coming into a lot of people's houses, a lot of people's societies, a lot of people's whatever. And uh we're caught up in the darkness.
3: Yeah.
1: All of us, I don't care how faithful we think we are or not, all of us have I think gotten too caught up in the political rhetoric, the um emotional rhetoric of the, the vaccine, not the vaccine. And as we've all talked about, John, Ephesians six, yep. This is not a battle against flesh and blood. I hate my neighbor because of guys, Satan's trying to destroy their happiness, the joy. And frankly, it's time to fight back. Mm -hmm. And from a guy's perspective, man, we need to step up. We need to take charge of our families. And I mean that in a positive way. We need to be Christ to our families because Chris already won the battle. Yes. We've got all the equipment we need to win the battle. And this show is here to help shine the light as it were into that darkness and say, folks, there is hope. There is a way to get through this. And we're going to bring you guests that are going to help shine that light and give you the direction.
2: That's great. Thanks, Craig.
0: I think that's spot on. And Craig, you went right to the root cause of what I addressed or what I felt passionate about, which is really a symptom. And the symptom that that I have a passion about is our culture constantly bombards males from a very early age about their insignificance they don't belong they're just a nuisance mm-hmm. and if you pay attention in the media and in the programs on TV and and just everywhere you turn, men are taking a a headshot and it's wrong mm-hmm. so I would love to tell you that I have some profoundly holy inspiration here. I mean, clearly, Craig, you said it, it's the hand of God that has brought us together. But I will tell you, I love alliteration. So I'm going to give us two Ps. Passion without perfection. That's that's why I'm here. I have a passion for what's going on and trying to deliver a message uh, and hope and tools to our interviewees to help our family room in real life. But also I want to be really, really clear anybody that knows me knows that this is not the path to perfection. Craig and I were joking earlier that if, if there's a path to perfection, I've been in several rest areas and exits and detours <laughs> where perhaps a little less than optimal things were happening, right? So so I think that's, that's really why I want to be here. And I'm really grateful for your getting your arms around us, Mari.
2: That's great. Thank you, John. Uh, so it's interesting as we th- the three of us came together, we all did have the same heart, the same passion for, we believe we have hope. We know we have hope in Christ. We know that our faith as Catholics give us so many different gifts. And yet we see a lot of people stumbling around, including us sometimes Yes, stumbling around and we're under attack because, you know, as we say here on the family room, the kingdom of God begins at home. And so the evil one is going to attack our marriages. He's going to attack our families. And unless we understand that we are in a spiritual b- battle, like you just alluded to Craig with Ephesians 6, unless we understand that we are in a spiritual battle, we're going to lose before we start. So, you know, putting on the armor of Christ in all of the ways that that we can and putting on the armor that our faith grants us through the sacraments, through the wisdom of 2000 years in the church, and also through the, the current people that we have, the apologists, the counselors, the lay leaders, the priests, those are the people we're going to be inviting onto this program to share their wisdom, their knowledge, their experience, to give all of us, the three of us, as well as all of you guys listening out there, um, just the wisdom and the hope and the tools, like you just said, John, the tools to be able to live this life of hope and joy. You know, Christ said that he came to give us life and to give it Abundantly. And so we want all of us to be able to live lives of joy and abundance um, based on the scriptural foundation that we have, based on the truth and the wisdom that that Christ and the and the church um, and the sacraments and the beautiful word of God offer us. Right. So
1: if you're going into battle, you're not going to go in with partial equipment or broken equipment. And I think that's the beauty of our faith. I think if you're going to go in, we've got fully loaded equipment. You know, you've got a 500 round clip, you know, you got your rosaries, Mm -hmm. you've got your confession. I mean, Christ put together the perfect battle plan and the perfect program and gave us all the tools. Number one, we have to acknowledge that we're in a battle. Mm -hmm. We have to acknowledge that Christ is the king of everything and has already won the battle for us. But also we have to trust that what he put down between the Eucharist, confession, all of our sacraments and the in the sacramental marriage. Yes. And the family, that this war is going to be won. It's not a matter of are we going to win?
2: And oh my gosh, I'm so afraid we're good. It's one. It's one. We just need to stand together and fight it. Right, right. And and there's great hope in that. There's great rejoicing in that. And so we um are offering the show to the glory of God and just asking him to. Give us every week uh, new people to talk to who can encourage us all and offer us that hope and that wisdom and those tools, like you just said, those tools and the ways to use those tools. Um, so listeners, you're going to get to know a little bit more about us. We've, um, I think together, we should have added it up how many years we've been married all together. I think maybe 80 or so years wow, over yeah, every, at least, probably close to 90 between yeah. the three of us. Well, John,
1: we, how many? Yeah. 41. Craig, 31 coming on 32.
2: Oh, wow. So, and I'm 23. Yeah. So I can't do so There you, you got 90 plus years. <laughs> there you go. So we've got over 90 years of marriage, which to John's point doesn't mean we're perfect but it means that we are in process like everybody else. And we probably have some stories of things that went well and didn't go well. So you'll hear some of those as we move through these coming weeks and months and hopefully years together. Um, And then we also, um, we each have children and John, you've got grandchildren as well. Yes, Yes. we do. Yeah. So we are right where you guys are and we are glad to be in all of this together. Um, So we are thankful that you're joining us for this first show. And we are ready to uh, share with you a little bit more about our first guest on this first show so um, we are very excited to be able to talk to you today about that one of the things we will do together also is to pray so each show we will start with some prayer and we also chose st. John Paul II as our patron saint for the show because of his love of both the of both marriages and families so let's pray together to start in the name of the Father and the the Son and the the Holy Spirit Spirit. Amen. amen Heavenly Father, we praise you, we praise you and we thank you for this opportunity to come before you, to lay our families t- before you, our marriages before you, and we just ask for your blessings as we start this new show and as we continue on, that the hope and encouragement that you offer each one of us and the love that you have for us will be manifest as we work together, as we grow together, as we learn together. And um, it's in your son's precious and holy name that we pray and St. John Paul II. Pray Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Folks, uh, we promised that we would bring to you resources that could equip you and your families to live an abundant life. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And and maybe when you think about uh, living an abundant life, our guest today is going to talk about that in terms of the art of living. And for some, that might be seeking out fine food, fine wines, restaurants, breathtaking vacations, Uh, Not quite today. We've got a little different path. And so,
1: Craig, why don't you introduce uh, our guest for us, and we'll get right at it. Now, this is exciting because uh, we're opening up our introductory show with one of the most well-known speakers and authors that anybody in Catholic radio, television, or in the speaking circuit knows. Today, I'd love to introduce Dr. Edward Sree. He's a theologian, author, well-known Catholic speaker, and he appears regularly on EWTN. He's also written several best-selling books, including Into His Likeness, Be Transformed as a Disciple, Walking with Mary and Who Am I to Judge, Responding to Relativism with Logic and Love, and his latest release is God With Us, Encountering Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. He's also a founding leader with Curtis Martin of Focus, Fellowship of Catholic University Students that does amazing ministry and evangelization on our college campuses, where he's also serves as the vice president of formation. And he's written a book that we're going to be talking about today, The Art of Living, The Cardinal Virtues and the Freedom to Love. Welcome, Dr. Sri. Thanks for having me.
2: We're so glad that you are here. And we were just explaining to our listeners some of the reasons that we created this new local show, The Family Room, really to encourage and to support and equip people to live more joy-filled and abundant lives um, in their family relationships. And as we read your book and listened to some of the talks you had about it, it sounds like maybe there that might have been some of the Similar motivation that you had um, for actually writing this book, Um, as Craig said, The Art of Living, the Cardinal Virtues, and the Freedom to Love. Would you share more about your purpose for this book and your motivation to writing it?
4: Yeah, you know, it's rooted, the title of the book comes from something uh, Cardinal Ratzinger said before he became Pope Benedict, but he gave an address once and he talked about how in the Uh, the modern secular age the problem isn't simply that we've turned away from religion we don't know the bible we don't know our catechism well i mean that's a great crisis of course but it, it's even worse than that. Like we don't even know the basics of how to live, <laughs> just how to live life. We, we can't get the basic things like like friendship right. You know, uh, how to, how do we live friendship? How do we how do young people live dating relationships? I hear from so many young couples. Like, I, want to, I want to build a strong marriage, but I'm not sure how. How do we how do we raise children in this secular age? So the, it, it's it's a challenge in our world today. We do, we don't know the basics of how to live life, and we don't know how to impart that to the next generation. Uh, the good news is that there is a, a great tradition uh, of the virtues uh, that is the art of living. So Pope Benedict said, you know, we haven't just lost faith. We've lost the art of living, living mm-hmm. life well. And what is the art of living? It's the great tradition of the virtues, the virtues that we need to, to be a good husband, to be a good wife, to be a good mother, a good father, a good friend, a good citizen, a good child of God. We, we need the virtues so that we can give the best of ourselves, to God and the people in our lives. If we want to love and and live our relationships well, we need virtue. And that's what this book is trying to do. It's trying to unpack the virtues for ordinary daily family life, uh, ordinary life in your parish, in your workplace, in this secular age.
0: Awesome. So, I think it's really easy to, to listen to what's going on in our culture, Dr. Sri, and come to the conclusion that individualism is the order of the day, right? We, we are individuals and independent. And yet God created us for relationships and to be in relationships, not just with Him, but with each other. And when we think about the virtues, um, we think of them as I am going to personally demonstrate or live virtues. But you discover that, that growing in virtue is a lot bigger than just an individual exercise. Take a minute, if you would, and just kind of unpack that for us,
4: please. Yeah, I was, I was just talking about this with a friend yesterday that when I was young, you know, I remember I grew up in Catholic schools and I remember hearing about virtues. Right and and I, I think I had an impression of this kind of individualistic view of the virtues that the virtues are for me and my soul, my spiritual life to be a good christian, you know uh as you, know, you grow in virtue, it's kind of like you acquire new virtues, it's like getting new badges you know to- <laughs> <laughs> for Jesus you know <laughs> so i I got piety and I got fear of the Lord and courage and you know, you know and that's all great you know but but I began to see over time that I, I need virtue, yes, for me, for my soul, of course, but really my wife needs me to be virtuous. <laughs> my children need me to be more virtuous. My, my colleagues, the, the, the people I serve, you know, that report to me, they need me to grow in virtue because uh, I, I want to give the best of myself to the people around me. And to do that, that requires a lot more than just good intentions, good values, um, sincere desires. You know, it, it actually requires virtue, uh, which is those are the, the, the key habits, the basic life skills, if you will, to live life with excellence uh, so that I can be the, the person that, I, that my family needs me to be. So let me, let me just give it an example there. You know is that I, I can't love my wife to the extent I need to it, unless I'm growing in virtue. You know, if I if I grow in generosity and I grow in patience, I grow in kindness, that's going to help me do generous, kind, and patient things to love and serve my my, my wife as I want to. But to the extent I lack and fall short in generosity, I will do selfish things that hurt best. Right. To the extent that I... I I, I don't have patience. I struggle with impatience. I will do impatient things that hurt her uh, to the extent I, I lack prudence, that I don't think things through. You know, uh, I'll make decisions that, that weren't thought through well, and she'll have to pick up the pieces that will affect her life. I'm just simply not free to love my wife as I want to, unless I'm really growing in virtue. Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting, too, because you've mentioned marriage and family a couple of times. And, you know, we kidded about Ephesians 5 often when we talk because, you know, husbands uh, or wives be submissive to your husbands. And most guys pat each other on the back and give high fives like, yep, see, you got to listen to me. We forget about the next line that says, you know, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. And in your book, you often talk about these virtues make us Christ like. And it's interesting because getting married. Nobody ever told me my marriage was intended to make me virtuous. And I think you use the phrase marriage is a school for the virtues. Can you talk about that and give us maybe some examples of how that's true in you know your life or others lives? I wish my wife were here right now.
3: <laughs> I just, I just all, she has some ideas. We're a lot ideas. of talks
4: on this, on this very topic here because a lot of people think you go into marriage, or well, we fall in love, and I finally found my soulmate. This is the person that's going to fulfill me, and I'm going to be so happy. And yes, I have to die to myself, of course, because that's what Jesus does. And, but I'm just going to just so be willing to do it because I'm just so in love with this person. Well, then you get into marriage like three months or three years into it, and it's really hard. <laughs> and, and it's really demanding, and, and it's inviting marriage is inviting us to love like Jesus loves. And so one of the things my wife and I have been doing a lot is encouraging young couples to know that, you know, when, when you hit these moments in marriage where you're hurt, you're struggling, you're disillusioned, you're, you're not connecting like you used to uh, like, know that that's, that's actually normal. That means the the sacrament is working. That means God is inviting you, to meet him in the difficulties and challenges of your marriage. And, and, and a, a, a vocation isn't about, you know, finding someone that's going to fulfill you. That's not what a voc- any vocation is. A vocation is the place where you give yourself away, you die to yourself, and you you imitate Christ. You enter into Jesus' amazing love because that's what we're made for. You know, we're scared of that idea of dying to self. And it is scary. The cross is scary, of course, but it's also our joy. It's also where it's where we find our happiness. We're made to make our lives a gift to God and to others, to deny ourselves, to serve others. Mother Teresa often said this. She said, unless a life is lived for others, it's simply not worth living. Mm-hmm. And our world just tells us, live for yourself, live for yourself. And so like you, you I see these young people, you know, they get married. I, I'm blessed. I work with amazing people in focus and young adults around the country, around the world. And they're, they're awesome on fire Catholics. They study theology of the body, but I can tell they have this view of a vocation is something that's going to fulfill me. Um, but that's not what a vocation is. It really is more about if the place, the arena that God stretches our hearts, expands our hearts, invites us to love like he does. So when you're in marriage and you find these moments when maybe you don't feel like you're being treated well, you don't feel appreciated. There's hurtful words spoken. You feel like your spouse just wasn't there for you in that moment. Remember Jesus on Good Friday. That, that's exactly how he felt. He was abandoned, rejected by his close friends, not treated well. There were hurtful words spoken. Uh, Marriage is really inviting us to learn to love like Christ. It's easy to love when my spouse is so good looking and we're on a date night and I just, oh, she's beautiful. This is great. I get these more fuzzy feelings and and that's great. You know, that's a part of marriage too, but, but that's not the essence of love. The essence of love is, is to will the good of the other, to seek what's best for the other person, even when they don't, re, re, maybe aren't able to reciprocate. Uh, uh, they have a bad day. They're sick. They're struggling with something. Uh, I'm called to love like Jesus. And marriage, you know, for, for those of us called to the vocation, it's the number one place Jesus calls us to grow in virtue, to, to love like he loves.
2: It's mm, beautiful.
1: Well, Quest family, you are listening to us on The Family Room on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio, and we're here speaking with Doctor Sri.
2: Yes, we are. Such a blessing to be able to hear um, the wisdom that Doctor Sri is offering to us, and the um, the way that his in his new book he's given us just this beautiful way of of living life that in the the abundant way that we're called to live. And Doctor Sri, as you just talked about that, it is so beautiful to think about how marriage is a sacrament and it's also a way that, um, that we are all sanctified, you know, as you, as you discuss that, um, one of the things that oftentimes people think about when they think about something like a virtue, it's makes them think that, um, it's going to make life more difficult for them. But you talk about virtue being, uh, giving us a freedom. There's a sense of freedom in, in having the virtues and especially the freedom to love. Would you mind expanding on that concept as well?
4: Oh, yeah. Virtue actually makes life easier Mm -hmm. (laughs) so much. It helps you bear the difficulties and challenges in life better, helps you just live in a way that you're going to be happier. So that's really we want to grow in virtue deep down. That's what we're made for. Um, But maybe just to define it. What is virtue? According to Catechism, 1803, it's the habitual disposition to do the good. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: So it's not just doing the good every once in a while. You know, it's a habitual disposition. And so there's different qualities of virtue. You know, so you do it consistently. Um, I, I think about like, uh, if you take a PGA golfer, you know, they can consistently hit the ball down the fairway. That's one characteristic. A second thing is that it's easy for them. <laughs> you know, it's like second nature. They don't have to really think about it. They can do it promptly. It's not like they have to work really hard at it. It's just, it's just a part of who they are and they do it with joy, you mm-hmm. know, because, because they're good at the game. You know, when I go out on the golf course. I might hit it down the fairway every uh, once in a while, but many times it's in the pond or the forest, you know, I'm not consistent, uh, and it's not easy for me, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that if you watch I, I take like, you know, two dozen practice swings because I'm so nervous I'm going to get it wrong it's not second nature for me at all <laughs> you know, uh, and, and uh, it's, I don't do it promptly, and there's definitely not a lot of joy when I play
0: golf uh, <laughs> we should play golf one day <laughs> seriously, we, you, we can, I can hang with you
4: <laughs> but, I, but I think that's like, so if, if there's that one time, hey, I volunteered and served the poor this week. You can pat yourself on the back and say, oh, I'm so good. Well, you, you did it once. I mean, that's great, but you don't have the virtue down of of being generous and fulfilling your, your out of justice your responsibility to care for the poor. Um, you were patient one time, you know, great, okay, but nine times uh, other times that week you lost your temper, okay? That doesn't mean you, you have patience yet. So I, I think maybe a, a great way to sum this up, this is fun, Um is the uh, i i i'm a big soccer fan so i just i just coached my little daughter tiara last night she's my seven-year-old she's been wanting to have a soccer team for the last year and finally i organized a team and i i get to be her coach and it's so fun but anyway um i i love to play soccer my kids my older boys they're really good they've played competitive soccer they've got great coaches just great touch of the ball. And so I'll organize fun soccer games with, you know, old guys like me, young people, at the Augustine Institute and focus and then children. So it's a fun, big outing we do every once in a while. But when we're out there on the field, people love to give the ball to my kids, my boys, they're going to look up, make a pass, have a good touch score. Like they're going to do something good with the ball. If you pass the ball to Dr. Three, it's like 50, 50, you know? I mean, I, I, I can do okay, but I don't have the same skill. And so in crucial moments of the game, I could tell my teammates would look at me and and not pass the ball to me. They didn't want to pass the ball. I wouldn't Mm. want to pass the ball to me (laughs) in a crucial moment, (laughs) you know, because I I wouldn't be reliable. I think that's the key virtue, you know, when you have the the skill, Mm. you know, of generosity, you you have, you know, the skills of love, of living life well, all the virtues. You're, you're, You're a reliable person. You're a dependable person. You're someone people can count on in life. And we all have people like that, don't we? Like there's certain friends or family members, you know, in a pinch, they'll do anything for you. They're reliable. And then there's others that are nice to you, but, you know, you, you, you tell I'm going to be a burden if I ask them for help. Uh, or they're not going to do it well. They'll, 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 they'll be eager to help, but they're not, actually, they're not going to do it right. <laughs> like they're not dependable. We want to be men and women. That, that, can, that can be entrusted with a lot. We want to be men and women that c- can be reliable for our spouses, our children and all. Maybe one last thing on this, because you asked about that, that language of the freedom to love. Mm-hmm. I, I, would, I, I think you know, it's really important we get this right here, because love is not just a feeling, right? Anybody can say, I love you. Some people might sincerely mean it, but there's only those people who possess virtue, that are capable of loving, you know, no matter how many feelings someone has for you or good intentions, they simply aren't capable of loving if they don't have the virtues. It's like my dad's a a surgeon. I just saw him in Chicago last week, actually, and he's retired now, but I grew up just, you know, learning about surgery and he'd show me anatomy books and pictures of his surgeries. And I just have great respect and esteem for surgery, you know? Uh, And let's say I'm passionate about surgery and I heard you needed surgery. I said, oh, I love surgery. I, I'm passionate about surgery. Here, you get on the table. Let me do the
3: surgery for you. you get on the operating table.
4: I'm not I'm a doctor, right? I don't have the skills of a surgeon. Uh, and and that, that's just obvious, right? No one would get on the operating table with someone that didn't have the skills of a surgeon. And yet, how many young people enter into dating relationships, marriages, family life, Without ever asking the question of virtue, mm-hmm. Interest, is this person capable of loving me? Do they have the skills of being able to love? Again, to the extent I possess courage, self-control, perseverance, prudence, all these virtues, to that extent, I'm able to love. I'm free to love. Mm-hmm. But when I, I lack in those virtues, I, I, I'm lacking in my ability to love.
2: Exactly. And I love how, if you think about that, not only are you free to love, but we're free in our relationship with you, because like you said, you are reliable. We can count on you. And so just that freedom is both ways as well. Yeah. So listeners, you are um, you are tuned in to AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio. And we are here with our guest today, Dr. Edward Sri. And he has written a wonderful new book called The Art of Living, Living the Cardinal Virtues and the Freedom to Love. And you'll be able to access information about his book as well as a lot of the things that we're talking about today on our show notes. So please make sure you go there because Dr. Sri also um, offers a lot of other resources, including he came and spoke to a couple of groups that I worked with here in Atlanta at Blessed Trinity, our Catholic women's groups. He came and did some work with us. And so Dr. Sri, loved love to give people a, an opportunity to know that they can reach out to you on your website, right, and uh, book time with you as well.
4: Oh, yeah, they can find me at edwardsri.com. And, yeah, even during COVID, right, we were able to still do that virtual retreat. And I've been doing that with a lot of women's groups, men's groups, family groups, parent groups, Bible study groups to be able to pop in and do a little session, a little Q&A session. And it was so fun doing Great. that Great. retreat with the
1: wonderful women you have there.
2: Yeah, it was wonderful. And we'll be back here again with Dr. Sree.
1: We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Sprite on The Quest.
5: St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com.
1: Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160 The Quest.
0: Dr. Sri, here in The Family Room, we have, we're starting a tradition... And we want all of our guests to share with us and our listeners a favorite family room memory, whether that be the Sri family room now or the family room growing up. But we'd love to hear your favorite memory from your family room.
4: Oh, wow. I could think of um, many stories that are read by the fireplace and in the living room area. I can think of many times. You know, we we many times we'll pray the rosary uh, together as a family. Some of my favorite things now that my family's bigger and everyone's, you know, all across so many different activities and things. That when we can gather in the living room, it's great. Many times we're doing the family rosary while people are packing lunches for high school and <laughs> putting the little kids down. But when we can go in the living room, I love that. But if I had to pick maybe a great memory, it, this is my older kids always they remember this. It's playing trains with the little kids. In the living room and what we do is we 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 don't just make make a little circle train we make like this very elaborate train track with all these different locations you can go to and then we you start in Rome so it's an Italian train track
3: <laughs> oh my so gosh
4: you start in Roma Termini and then you can say okay I want to go to Assisi and then the kids have to figure out which tracks and there's all these different splintering tracks you can go to to go to Assisi or I can go to Orvieto or I can go to Arezzo, which is a little Tuscan city that my family's from. Or I can go to Florence, and and we make the whole kind of Italian train system, and the little kids can go practice that. So it's kind of a fun. Uh, my older kids were just saying, hey, Dad, you need you need to do the train thing with the little kids again, remember? So That's we were just awesome. doing that
3: recently. So.
2: <laughs> well, you just took us all to the next level, didn't you? Yeah, really. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. For
0: future guests, beware. I know, really. <laughs> so I would like to back up just a second, if I could, Dr. Sri, because you said some powerful things uh, just before the break. You talked about Having skills and and um d- can you do what we expect you to do, and i'm a home improvement guy, like the reason my golf game is terrible is because i'd rather have a saw in my hand than a golf club in my hand and and so I love tools and and I, what you were talking about resonated because if you if you work with a tool regularly, you know the feel of it and and you can accomplish things hand to powers tool to a first time user and and it can be not only Ugly but dangerous. So, maybe give us some tools for in this virtue concept. What are some hardcore tools that we can take away and start practicing with?
4: Oh, you know, maybe we can talk a little bit about like how, like how to grow in virtue. That would be like great. A, yeah. I think those kinds of things. Um, in the book, I have a chapter on this. In the Catholic tradition, there's three things that, that are specifically listed uh, as the ways to grow in virtue. And the first thing is simply we've got to educate ourselves in the virtues.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, we simply don't know how to live a good life, a virtuous life anymore. That tradition is just not passed on. Uh, I often tell the story of my son that I just launched a college. He's a very gifted pianist. When he was two years old, he learned how to just play songs from church by ear. And he started taking lessons from this teacher when he was about five. And he could play play Mozart and Bach by ear. I mean, he was so good. I was like so impressed. But what this teacher did was like kept... Saying no, no, no. Your your fingers are curved the right way. You're not touching the key the right way. And 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 I was all impressed with his Mozart abilities. And she says no, no. Let's go back. We're gonna do Yankee Doodle. Oh my. And, was, and like oh. for like two weeks, we're doing Yankee Doodle. And I'm going. What the? What's going on here? We're going backwards. <laughs> you know. Uh, and then she's like, No, you got to touch the key this way. And then you got. And she just like kept like working on the really basic things. And then she kept working with him, and then over time I began to hear her talk about, well, when Bach wrote his pieces, he wrote it like this. When Beethoven practiced, he practiced like this, and I began to see that he was getting a beautiful apprenticeship
3: mm.
4: from this woman who had mastered the tradition of piano playing and was then passing it on to my son. Mm. And my son's in contact with the great composers of the world through this woman that mastered the tradition. It was beautiful the challenge is that you know uh, today we don't live life that way uh, imagine if you wanted to play piano and uh, like you were you were like a little kid growing up and someone just said, "Oh, here, here, go, go to your pian- your room over there. We'll buy you a piano, and you can figure it out yourself. Be your own piano player. You're a special piano player. Play the piano however you want. You're awesome. <laughs> you know, we'll give you a trophy too. You know, I knew that was coming. <laughs> but imagine you grow up, you go to college, and then you meet other college students that are playing Mozart piano concertos. you never heard the piano played like that before, and you ask them." How did you do that? They said, oh, well, we had piano teachers. Said, piano teachers? I, didn't, I never had a piano teacher. Uh, what are you playing? Uh, where would you learn this? Oh, it's Mozart. Who's Mozart? Oh, no one ever told you who Mozart was? And, and how do you know how to play this so well? Well, there's, there's music here. And you, and, the, and you look at the music. You just see lines and dots. You have no idea what music is. Like, how would you feel if you knew everybody else got this beautiful training and the tradition of piano playing, and all you were told was, go figure it out yourself? Mm. You know, you feel cheated. Right. Well, that's how many young people feel today. They feel cheated because they go to school. They grow up in our culture and they're never taught how to live. Yeah. They learn how to make, you know, businesses and how to build airplanes, but they don't know the basics of the art of living. And I meet so many young people that they start to hear about, like, the church's teaching on chastity and on, uh, on theology of the body. And they're like, why didn't anyone tell me that mm, before? Yeah. You know, or I hear, again, married couples, you know, they, they, they struggle in their marriage and they get Catholic principles on how to live a good marriage. Like, how come no one told me that when we were first married? Mm-hmm. You know, or they learn something about parenting and they say, oh, I wish I had done that with my children. And, and, and now it's too late. You know, I, I hear this all the time we are not passing on the basics of how to live life. So the first thing we want to do is go back and learn the art of living. I have, and I have to I have to fill my mind with the virtues. And I hope my book could be a good resource for that. Reading the lives of the saints is a great resource to figure out examples of con- mm-hmm. virtue in concrete real life. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. Second thing is uh, the church says we have to put a lot of effort in we've got to really try to overcome our weaknesses so if i know i have a certain weakness i tend to let's say always want my way the next time you know i I, i'm with my friends my colleagues and they want to do something else i I let them do what they want i purposely go against what i prefer to try to do what they want to work against my natural inclinations like that's a good thing it takes a lot Mm. of effort but the third and most important thing is i can learn all about the virtues in my head I could try and try and try to put the virtues into practice, but I'm always going to fall short because of my own original sin, my own weakness. And I need to learn to rely on God's grace, mm. to beg him to change me. Lord, I've tried to overcome this bad habit of mine, this weakness of mine, this addiction of mine, and I just can't. Jesus, help me. And, and beg him for his grace, you know, in prayer and frequenting the sacraments. That's ultimately how we're going to be changed.
2: Yeah. And even the, the saints did that. St. Augustine did that as well, didn't he? Where oh, he-
4: when he was struggling, he became convinced that the Catholic Church wanted to become Catholic, but he couldn't give up his sexual addiction. Mm-hmm. He was so, you know, given in to his sexual immorality. Finally, he just learns to just beg God and says, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And that was like the key moment in his conversion.
1: But it's funny, too. Didn't he say something to the effect of, I want to do this, but not yet? (laughs) And then finally he came to the conclusion, like, okay, I need to move on.
4: (laughs) He did. Yeah, many of us, like, we we, we hear about virtue, but we say, oh, I don't think I want to do that today. You know, in the future.
1: One of the things that's interesting, though, about what you were talking about of not being trained a lot of times and not being brought up in the virtues, Um, it's interesting because John and I have had conversations recently, and in the same prayer week, in his private prayer, my private prayer, Matthew 6, 25 to 34 came up and I prayed on it really heavily in adoration. And then Mari reminded me, she was like, oh, by the way, make sure you listen to Dr. Sree's podcast. The first podcast was your podcast on Be Not Anxious. <laughs> and it's it's amazing to me because in the world today, we live in fear, fear because of all the anxiety that's that's out there this isn't going to happen, that's not going to happen. To your point, how am I going to live this marriage? This woman, this man isn't doing what I want him to do, or my kids aren't doing, oh my, what am I going to do, God? But yet, in your book, and I don't remember if it was chapter 10 or not, when you talk about don't be anxious, you actually make the case that virtues can help overcome anxiety, because Christ didn't say, this can happen. Christ like directly said, do not be anxious, which means I've got the authority over this. So how do the virtues help us not live an anxious life?
4: Oh yeah, this is great. I have a whole chapter on this topic in the book. And yeah, I just did my a podcast recently on that. So I'm glad you got to uh, hear about that. Yeah. So let, let me clarify what anxiety is, you know, first of all, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, the Catholic Church, teaches it's good to have concern about things. You know, I, I, I should be concerned about the virus, concerned about what's happening in the culture, you know, concerned about what's happening with my finances or whatever. Okay, all, it's, it's great to have just good—that's prudence. You know, you're taking into account thinking, you know, thinking ahead. That, that's fine. It's when you you lose your interior peace that you become anxious. Anxiety is never from God. No matter what's happening on the outside of my life or what may or may not happen in the future— I should always just trust god's going to be, give me the grace to, to deal with that and it's going to be for my good and uh and i think that's that's the heart of it that we doubt god we doubt that he really loves us we doubt what saint paul says in romans chapter eight twenty eight that in all things god works for good in those who love him in all things the good the bad the things we perceive are dangerous or threatening or fearful like in all things do we are we really convinced of that you know, Because there's there's two demons that keep us from living right there in the present moment to, to to fulfill whatever God's asking us to do in the present moment, to give the best to what's right here in front of me. Those two demons are the past, where I, I go back and I regret, and I just regret, oh, why did I do that? Why did I say that? And we play these tapes that our mind, and we're frustrated over decisions or, or things that happened in the past. That can keep me... From focusing on what God needs me to do right now, say my prayers and be attentive to Him in adoration, be attentive to my wife and her needs right now, be attentive to my children and her needs. I'm just I'm thinking about something in the past, and that keeps me from from giving the present. But there's also anxiety over the future, mm. so that's the second demon that, that like you know the demon of what if. Uh, and I, I think I made the point in the podcast, you listen, my wife is awesome for me because I, that's the demon that I'm susceptible to a lot, you know, and, and my, I'll often go, well, what if this, and my wife will always come back and say, I don't play. What if yep. <laughs>
3: I was, okay, <laughs> point.
4: she's awesome. But, but, but the point is, and my wife, again, is really, she, she edifies me in this a lot that she has a great confidence that look, I don't know what's going to – we have to think about the future, yes, but I'm not going to allow myself to get anxious about it because I do trust that no matter what may or may not happen in the future, even if my worst fear happens, God is going to be there to help me. He's going to help me carry that cross. He's going to help me find the good in that cross. And so I don't want to waste any time and energy with anxiety. Yeah, okay, a little foresight, a little thinking through, fine we're not going to play the what if game and allow ourselves to fall into that anxiety that is never from god god wants us to be living in the presence why so i can love right now you can't Mm -hmm. love in the future Mm -hmm. that's 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 just this abstract thing over here i can love god right now and i can love my wife right now and i can love my children right now and the demon that gets me regretting the past the demon that gets me to just play what if about the future is preventing me from loving the people in my life right now
2: Mm, that's beautiful So listeners, if you were just tuning in, you were listening to AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio, and we were on with Dr. Edward Sri. Dr. Sri, when you were just talking a second ago about um, living in the present, I remember uh, hearing it also said that, you know, even though God is he's outside of space and time and he is wherever, um, he he's always everywhere all at once, but he's not in the future. And at first, when I first heard that, I thought, what do you mean God's not in the future? Of course he is. And they said, no, it's more that his grace isn't in the future because you're not in the future yet. But when you get to the future, his grace will be there and it'll be right. What you need when you need it. So you don't need to go worrying about the future because you don't have what you need for the future yet, because you're not there yet. But when you get there, his grace will be there and it'll be sufficient for, what you need there. Oh the yeah. Future. That's something
4: my wife says all the time. In fact, like if I do worry about stuff in the future, I'm too anxious right now because it's not a reality right now, I don't have the grace to deal with it. And I'm going to be, I'm just going to go into a, a, a anxious spiral, downward yeah. spiral. Yeah, Cause the grace is not here. It's just an abstract. What if, yeah. right? So yeah. yeah, no point getting worried about those things now.
1: <laughs> well, and I think the beauty of what you said though, and I think it's a great reminder because as you've said, there's a lot of things we haven't been taught to deal with, you live in a world that says dev- the devil doesn't exist. I mean, you use the word the demons of the, of the past and the future. Well, the reality is there are demons, there are spirits that try to take our joy away and try to basically get us to deny God being who he is. You know, I think Matthew or yeah, Matthew 6 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? Seek God in everything, seek him first and foremost, and everything else will be given to you. And the more we live our lives, the more I know I can see God's intervened in multiple, multiple ways in my life. He needs to do a lot more in the virtue side of it. So as you think about me after this, Dr. Sri, would you please um, (laughs) throw me in the prayers? Because I know my wife's got her hand raised saying, please, please. He needs a lot more virtue. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I feel the, the same way, right. You know, in fact, that's it. I, I was thinking, Mari, when you asked the opening question about why I wrote the book mm-hmm. too, I write about this in the introduction. It really did come from my own personal experience. So th- I, there I was, I was a brand new professor just starting my teaching career at Benedictine College in Kansas. And, uh, I was maybe, maybe my second or third year into teaching there, but still very young. I, I, I was newly married and had a, had a child already, and 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 I was asked to teach this moral theology class. And so I said, okay. And so I, I went back and I reread Thomas Aquinas on the virtues, which I had read before, but I was reading it in a different state of life now, in the context of marriage and raising children. And I remember just reading this, and and, and like you, it was it was an examination of conscience. <laughs> I began to just see how beautiful real love is and virtue and and how much I was falling short. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and and I knew the difference it would make, you know, for my family. And I, and so I began teaching that to the college students for years and teaching it for the folks missionaries for years. And, but it was always, it grew out of my own personal kind of, you know, struggle battle for grow wanting to grow in virtue. And it's still, it's still a struggle. It's still a lifelong process. Um, (laughs) But I know it's certainly Aquinas' vision on the virtues, you know, which really sums up the Catholic tradition, this art of living, uh, really did like inspire me. And I I and I sensed it was gonna really inspire and encourage many others to pursue virtue as well. So that's why I wanted to write the book.
2: We're thankful you did. So that
0: that is awesome. And as you said that, Dr. Sri, something came to mind. Um, I think it's a pretty well known concept. What's your love language, mm-hmm. you know, and you're knowing your spouse's love language. And and then I'm not discrediting that at all. But I'm wondering if what if well, we don't we don't play like what if <laughs> instead of saying, what is your love language? What is the virtue that your spouse needs you to demonstrate mm-hmm. or to um, to perfect to improve the marriage just as that love language? you know, fills your gas tank or empowers you to to do the best you can in a marriage. What is the virtue? Yeah, don't Mm -hmm. uh, don't thoughts on that or just throw it out there. as something to think about. Right.
4: Yeah, I think that's a good thing to take to prayer. You know, is, you know, what is it that, you know, uh, this goes back to like deeper things in marriage. I think it's really helpful as spouses, especially several years into their marriage. You kind of get into certain routines. You know, there's certain things that we do that hurt each other. And sometimes we're afraid to bring them up. Sometimes we're afraid to ask about it. I think it's a helpful thing when you, you when you can get to a healthy point where there's great trust in between man and woman, husband and wife, and and then you can just be able to open up a little bit. You know, this. You know, it. I don't think you mean this, but it hurts me. Or I, I don't. I, I'm not. I know you don't intend this, but when this happens, I. You know, it it causes stress for me. You know, or maybe it's like. You may not realize it. you're you're doing something really normal, but it, it but because of my upbringing or because of this thing in my past, it triggers something yeah. you know like these are real things that happen in so many marriages, and a lot of couples just never talk about it. You know, and I, and I think we want to get to that point, you know, that trust where we can be vulnerable with each other to share, you know, or to draw it out of your spouse. Hey, I, I rather than just be upset, like, and this is what I would do, sadly, you know, but Beth and I've learned well, through many mistakes, but sometimes it would be like, well, why are you reacting that way? <laughs> you know, like, like as if it's her problem,
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. you, know, you know,
4: don't you under, don't you see as opposed to going, hey, honey, I noticed that when this situation happens in the home or when I say this or I ask this. I notice that it, it 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 seems to upset you, or or you seem stressed or overwhelmed by that. Tell me about that more. I don't want to. I don't want to stress you. I don't want to overwhelm. I'm wondering if I'm. I wonder if I'm doing something mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is that is off, or maybe it's not even like I'm doing something off. You know, like there's things in my marriage. Like Beth and I are very open about these things. Like where you know I might do something that for her is just you know like, it, or for me it's just like normal. But for like her background, she's a child of divorce and there's certain things that, that, that affect someone, you know. And and so I'm thinking, oh, this is just normal. And she's like, that. I have a wound, mm. you know, and, and like and you're unintentionally poking at it. It's like uh, my wife and I, we, we go for a walk many times in the, after dinner. And there was one time this last year we're going for a walk and I would hold her hand and then she let go after about 30 seconds. And then I held her hand again. And She let go after 30 seconds. And I did a third time. She's like, after the third time, I'm like, honey, what's <laughs> going on? Do you not want to hold my hand? And she said, oh, I, I hurt my, I, I, I twisted my, my wrist today. So it kind of hurts. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> once I knew that, I was like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I get it. I don't want to do that. Right. And many times we unintentionally hurt each other in marriage. But I think if we can be vulnerable, have trust, talk about those things, then, then like, it's virtuous for me to not insist, you must hold my hand, you know, (laughs) to show your physical affirmation, you know, (laughs) whatever, you know, Yeah, it's like, oh, I just, I, I'm going to be virtuous to go, okay, I love holding your hand, but I don't want to hurt you, right? Right. Right. Um, So I think that's where, like, to get to those conversations in marriage. So it's not so much like, you know, you need to grow in humility. You're just too arrogant, spouse.
3: (laughs) It's not like that,
4: you know, but there really is a sincere, and if you bring this up with your spouse, you have something you want to bring up. My biggest advice is to come in and say, it, I know you love me and I know you you don't want to do anything. You know, you're you're so good. You know, like to, it softens, you know, because we often hurt each other when we, we, we don't mean to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can do all you can to give your spouse the benefit of the doubt, to trust that they're not trying to ruin your day and your life, you know, uh, and and be able to express, you know, I, I know you don't mean it. I, I'm sure that's the case. But I would just you, when this happens, I react this way. And it's probably my weakness. And just can you help me with this? You know, like you put it more on yourself. I yeah, think that I, can help. To be clear,
0: yeah. that would be from my well, 41 years of experience that it starts with the man in the mirror. So the question about what virtue can it be would not be what virtue do I want to train Barbara to perfect? What is the one in me that is less than optimal? And, and with, so that's great clarification. Thank you.
2: That's great. So, Dr. Sri, we've got about three minutes left and I had one quick question and then we would love for you to close in prayer and pray for our listeners and, and in their pursuit of, of, you know, this art of, of living the virtues. But I had one quick question. I know I've only got a couple of minutes to ask you to think about this. Um, but we talked about in marriage. And I was thinking as I was coming to the studio today, I thought, okay, for my children, how do I help them grow in virtue? Is there anything, any couple of thoughts about as parents, you know, we, we want to hire tutors when we're trying to get them better at math or coaches for, you know, soccer or whatever. But is there anything that you would recommend that we can do to help our children grow in virtue?
4: Yeah. Number one thing is grow in virtue yourself with mm-hmm. your spouse. Yeah. The children will learn virtue by imitation more than any textbook, more than any class or book. You know, really, it's going to be they're going to learn by watching mom and dad. That's where they're, they're going to learn forgiveness, patience, service, generosity, all those things. Uh, and so uh, for the children to and then when you fall short in virtue to say sorry, Mm. you know, uh, is great. I mean, for children to know that, you know, Hey, what mom did here, my dad did here, just that I wasn't at my best. I'm sorry. Like like that and be vulnerable. like that. I think children, you know, appreciate that, you know? So that's the number one thing. Uh, second thing is, you know, I think, especially in our day and age where there's so many strange parenting philosophies out there. Mm. Um, (laughs) but we, parents have a role. You have a, you have an office. God has entrusted these souls to you, form them shape them form their character you are the most important impact next to god over your children more than the school more than the priest more than the ccd class they're at the youth group you have to intentionally you're intentionally trying to form their their minds and their and their hearts and that that that, yes it does involve certain like you're talking about virtues and um, but many parents, they are afraid to call their children to high standard of mm. virtue. They're afraid my child might throw a temper tantrum in Walmart and I'm going to be really embarrassed in front of everybody. <laughs> so I'll just give them that candy that, so, you know, that they want. That's like just horrible parenting. I've done that, I admit. So, <laughs> when, I, when I've done that, I, I regret it every time because it trains them to just throw a, a temper tantrum next time. You know? So we have to be prudent and, you know, and, and disciplined in disciplining our children.
2: Great. That's wonderful. Well, we've got about a minute left and we would love for you to pray for our listeners. Listeners, please go to our website. You can learn more about Dr. Sri and all of his incredible offerings, including his podcast, which is called All Things Catholic. But Dr. Sri, would you close us out in prayer, please?
4: Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this chance to talk about the virtues. We all desire to love you, to grow in virtue, to, to be better men and women. We know we often fall short. We come to you humbly in our own weakness and ask you, in your grace, to inspire us to pursue virtue more, to be more intentional in our pursuit of our own virtuous life and and the children entrusted to us. Uh, But most of all, we we entrust ourselves to your mercy and to your grace to change our our hard hearts into hearts like yours. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Father, and the Son, and and the the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. amen.
2: God bless you. Thank you so much, Father. father. Well, Dr. <laughs> Sri, we just promoted you. We just ordained you. <laughs> I
0: am
2: a father. You are. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Sri. We really appreciate you being with us. And listeners, we look forward to seeing you next time here on The Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families.
1: Thanks for hanging out with us in The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.